As the Rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you to this podcast. We have been offering these online services for you every week since the first lockdown began back in March 2020, and we shall continue to do so, particularly since the guidelines relating to live services can still change at short notice. Each service combines archive recordings of our choir and congregational singing with newly recorded readings, intercessions and sermons. Whatever happens, we would like you to know that we keep a candle burning before the altar here every day as a sign of hope, and we give thanks for you all. May the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him.
with you. A very warm welcome to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the third Sunday of Epiphany. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The grace of God has dawned upon the world through our Saviour Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself for us to purify a people as his own. Let us confess our sins. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We stand for the Gloria.
almighty God, whose Son revealed in signs and miracles the wonder of your saving presence, renew your people with your heavenly grace, and in all our weakness, sustain us by your mighty power. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from Genesis chapter 14, beginning at the 17th verse. After his return from the defeat of Kedileamer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, maker of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from Revelation, chapter 19, beginning at the sixth verse. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty thunder peals, crying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. 
for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. On the third day there was a marriage at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the marriage with his disciples. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, O woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now six stone jars were standing there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. They filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the steward of the feast. So they took it. When the steward of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when men have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Every time I read the New Testament account of Jesus turning water into wine, which we heard as our Gospel reading a moment ago, I'm struck by what an utterly bizarre story it is. Because if you think about it, it is odd for a whole range of reasons. Firstly, it is in itself a very peculiar miracle. Just about every other miraculous feat that Jesus performs is a response to an individual or a group of people who are in very considerable personal need. He heals those who are suffering. He liberates people from their demons. He raises the dead. He feeds the 5,000. He stills the storm when the disciples' lives are at risk. But to see him in today's gospel, nobly stepping in to rescue a party when the booze runs out, does not seem to fall into that category at all. Secondly, both the conversations that take place within our story and the sequence of events that unfolds are also extremely strange. Think about the dialogue for a moment. At the wedding feast, the mother of Jesus comes to him and says... They have no wine. His response to her seems not only abrupt and unhelpful, but also completely baffling. Woman, what are you to do with me? My hour is not yet come. But the story then gets even weirder, because despite this apparent brush-off 
and the fact that Jesus seems to have made it pretty clear that he's not in the slightest bit interested in the fact that the wine has run out, the mother of Jesus instructs the servants to do whatever he tells you. And then, as we heard, Jesus tells the servants to fill to the brim six enormous stone water jars that are standing nearby to draw some off and to take it to the chief steward. This they do. And the steward, to his surprise and astonishment, pronounces it to be a particularly fine vintage. And the final extraordinary thing is the sheer volume of the wine that is produced in this way. Six stone water jars holding up to 30 gallons, each one filled to the brim. All of that would make for one heck of a party. So what on earth is going on here? This must surely rate as one of the strangest incidents in the whole of the New Testament, and yet it is given a role of tremendous importance within the Gospel of John. Last Sunday, in our Gospel reading, we heard the passage that comes immediately before this story, when Jesus, having revealed the truth of who he is to the formerly sceptical Nathaniel, promises him that he will see even greater things. And then, sure enough, the very next story that we hear is this one, a miracle that our Gospel writer informs us was the first of the signs that Jesus performed which revealed his glory. One of the characteristic features of John's Gospel is that the stories that he tells often operate on more than one level. Indeed, very often one of the telltale signs that there may be more going on than meets the eye is a strange piece of dialogue that seems to make no rational sense, as in today's reading, or a feature of the narrative that doesn't quite fit. Whenever you encounter something like that in John's Gospel, it is time to get your antennae waving. What is really going on here? So, let's step back for a moment and think about the story again. The first clue is the setting, that of a wedding feast. Elsewhere in the Gospels, when Jesus wants to talk about the Kingdom of God, particularly when he does so in parables, he frequently uses the image of the wedding feast. So perhaps what we have here is not merely the story of a celebratory event that he happened to have been invited to attend, but more than that, something along the lines of a living parable, an incident that reveals something extremely important about the kingdom of God. And this ties in with the second clue, which is the ludicrous quantity of wine that is produced. For those who, of you who know your Gospels, that feature too should be ringing all kinds of bells. Because one of the features of the Kingdom of God, as Jesus reveals it, is its superabundance. You may remember the, the parable of the mustard seed in which the tiniest of seeds grows into a tree so enormous that birds can nest in its branches. The kingdom of God, Jesus tells us, is like that. We see the same thing in the story of the feeding of the multitude. Five loaves and two fishes not only provide a meal for 5,000 people, but the leftovers fill 12 baskets. The kingdom of God is like that. 
And the same thing is true of the vast quantity of wine in this miracle story, which is far, far more than any party host could possibly want or need. And then there is, of course, the significance of the wine itself, which, for the followers of Jesus, is inescapably associated with the sacrificial blood of Christ, because at the Last Supper, Jesus took wine and blessed it and gave it to his disciples, saying those words that are so familiar to us all. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. The Eucharistic prayer that in more normal times we recreate and relive at the altar here, Sunday by Sunday, doing what we were commanded to do by Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. And finally, one of the strangest bits of dialogue of all, when Jesus says to his mother, My hour has not yet come. This too is a direct reference to his forthcoming sacrificial death, because in John's Gospel, Jesus frequently uses it when speaking of the crucifixion. Chapter 13, verse 1, begins with the words, It was before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he must leave this world and go to the Father. And it is then that the wheels are set in motion that lead inexorably to his passion and death. What is so interesting about today's Gospel story is that even here, at the start of John's Gospel, when we are expressly reminded by Jesus that his hour had not yet come, even here, Christ's ability to bring about astounding transformation is illustrated in the most dramatic and memorable way possible. You see, the point about the story of the wedding at Cana is that it is about far, far more than simply Jesus rescuing a party with a particularly impressive conjuring trick. Indeed, it is a story of massive theological significance. It is a story that reveals to us the extraordinary power of God in Christ, a power so amazing and so extravagant and so mind-blowing that it transforms everything that comes near it with astonishing results. And even before Jesus' hour had come, his glory blazes out in spectacular and completely unexpected ways. There is a surprisingly pervasive and deeply unhelpful myth about the Christian faith, that it's basically a rather dull and worthy religion that attracts rather dull and worthy people. But this one story alone makes it abundantly clear that nothing could be further from the truth, because the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. It is the most wonderful celebration. The kingdom of God is a place where the most hopeless and barren of situations can be transformed into an astonishing source of new life and new hope. And the key to all of that is to be found within Christ's death and resurrection, because therein lies the good news of Jesus the Christ. And it follows from that 
that what Christ calls us to do is not to follow a dull and worthy life of pious deeds and good behaviour, but rather he calls us to life in all its fullness, to a life that is transformed and redeemed and set free by the boundless love and grace and forgiveness of God. Of course, there are times for all of us when it doesn't feel like that at all. When, to run with the metaphor for a moment, it really does feel as if the wine has totally run out, leaving us parched and joyless. Times when our yearning to celebrate hope in a new future disintegrates into disappointment and despair. But at times like that, it is worth reflecting on the words of the 18th century Anglican writer on spirituality, William Law. He once found himself reflecting on the question, what is it that makes a saint? Who is the greatest saint in the world? The answer he comes up with may come as a surprise, because in his view, the greatest saint is not the person who prays most or fast most, fasts most, or gives most to charity. But rather, William Law maintains, it is the person who is always able to be thankful to God. As he puts it, whatever seeming calamity happens to you, if you thank and praise God for it, you can turn it into a blessing. Therefore, could you work miracles you could not do more for yourself than by this thankful spirit. It turns all that it touches to happiness. That is what it means to turn water into wine. Christ brought wholeness and transformation to all that he touched. The most ordinary of things suddenly became channels of the most extraordinary grace. And just like the servants in our gospel story, Asked to do something bizarre and inexplicable, to fill stone jars with water and then carry a sample to the chief steward, so we too are sometimes called to suspend our disbelief just for a moment and to accept his instruction, only to find that it is we ourselves, in all our fallenness and frailty, who may be called to be the agents and the bearers and the witnesses of the most astonishing of transforming miracles. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again. 
in accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who is the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. In the power of the Spirit and in union with Christ, let us pray to the Father. Heavenly Father, we bring before you this morning our prayers, knowing that you will hear us and help us. We pray for the leaders of your church across the world. We pray for the people of all faiths and none. We ask that you will give us all the encouragement and inspiration to accept your love, listen to your call, so that we can live and work to spread your word to all who can hear it. Whilst there are restrictions placed upon our lives and our ability to meet in your name, we know that your light burns not just in our church, but also in all our lives. We pray for our own church. We give thanks especially for Alison, our rector, Jeff, our associate priest, and all who make our worship at St Bride's and online possible. We give thanks for their loving care and support and ask that you will encourage them to give them the strength to help us meet the challenges that lie ahead. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. We pray for all our world leaders, for the new President of the United States of America, the Queen, our Prime Minister and all our government, and all who are in positions of authority. As the world faces new and unprecedented challenges, and as we all await the spring and the new dawn that it promises, we pray that you will give them the insight, wisdom and empathy to lead us, to bring us together as your family, that unity, peace and healing or really will be their guiding principles. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Loving Father, help us to reflect on the early days of your son's life here on earth. From his birth that we celebrated at Christmas, to the years he spent growing up in a loving Jewish family, becoming wiser and stronger every day learning a trade, waiting for his moment, waiting for the pieces of the bigger picture to fall into place when he would start his work spreading your word. Let us pray for all our young people, that they may have the strength, resilience and encouragement to wait for the pieces of their bigger picture to fall into place, that they won't be discouraged by the challenges that they are facing that they will embrace the chances that they have been given and know that you have a plan for them. 
bless and protect those who don't have a loving family, those who are hungry and those who are frightened. May they know you and feel your love in their lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Forgive us, Lord, when we are struggling with life and searching for answers in vain. Remind us, Lord, that you are the strength upon whom we can call, the one in whom we can trust. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be by the side of and comfort all those in pain, those who are facing the challenge of illness and the loved ones that face it with them. Give them and all who are ill the strength and faith to face each day, and by the power of the Holy Spirit grant that they may return to good health as quickly as possible. Let us remember also those that have died and that have now joined you in heaven. We pray that they will find peace with you and that you will comfort those that they have left behind. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Finally, we take time to remember in silence all those known only to us who need your support and love. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Our Saviour Christ is the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Let us pray. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And now we give you thanks, because in the incarnation of the Word, a new light has dawned upon the world, that all the nations may be brought out of darkness to see the radiance of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this, our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, 
but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us.
Let us pray. Almighty Father, whose Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, may your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, shine with the radiance of his glory, that he may be known, worshipped and obeyed to the ends of the earth, for he is alive and reigns now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
Christ, the Son of God, perfect in you the image of his glory and gladden your hearts with the good news of his kingdom and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.